you sing it, like actually start to receive peace in those words. Let us, let us be known by our peace. We are a peaceful people. But I will tell you, there is a, uh, a message that Christians have trumpeted uh, since the beginning of the church that is in direct conflict with the world we live in. A very confrontational message, uh, very controversial message. To the people in this room, it's not controversial, but this is a very controversial message to the people in this world. And that message is this, children are a blessing. Everyone say, children are a blessing. I'm telling you, man, like, when you logically study the words of this statement, it's going to cause a lot of division and conflict in this world. And the reality is, we live in a culture and a society that doesn't view children as a blessing. If we were to go walk on the campus of UNC Charlotte, or we were going to go walk through the downtown area of Charlotte and ask 10 out of 10 people, hey, what do you think it means to be blessed? I would estimate six or seven of those would be around material, if not more, money, uh, possessions, you know, all that. The other people might go into uh, reputation, it's blessed to have a good reputation. Um, and maybe some people would uh, go into family. Maybe, maybe there would be some family people in there. But I, I would say, unless you were asking a Christian, um, probably many people wouldn't say children are a blessing. And so we need to reclaim this. We need to understand this. Because this is our mission statement. Uh, this is not a new thing uh, that we've kind of dis discovered in 2023. It's like, oh man, children are a blessing in 2023. No. From the foundations of the earth, God has declared children to be a blessing because children are the only thing in all of creation that possess the image of God. Okay? And so today's going to be more of an interactive sermon because as I was studying this, you guys know, this is my livelihood. I, I literally go around across the nation and try to help inspire people to see children as God sees them, especially in the churches, so that churches will get activated to help rescue children and to be a safe place for moms and dads who find themselves in a crisis pregnancy. And so I know I'm preaching to the choir. Many people in this church see children as a blessing. Um, but I just want to open the floor up. Before I dig into some uh, the Bible and the theological understanding, um, and just ask you guys, why do you think children are a blessing? Don, let's go, we'll go one at a time. Don. They're the only thing, as you said, that has unconditional love like Christ has for us, and they are here for an example. And that is the blessing for us to see and for us to come. Uh, okay. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Anybody else? Why are children a blessing? Jim. They're our future. They're our future. Good point. Very good point. Children are a blessing. Without children, there's no future. Okay, 
Joy. He sort of forces us out of our own selfishness. Ooh. Yeah, children teach us, right? Children model for us. They expose us a lot of times, too. You're going to say the same thing. Yeah, children are a blessing because they teach us about our own selfishness. There's some seats up front. Welcome all our visitors. I'm glad you're here. Uh, I just asked the question to the congregation, why do you think children are a blessing? Yeah, children are very creative, right? We need to be, we need to go back to our childlike creativity. I think children are one of the best examples of what love should really look like. Um, we look at the love a child has for parents, particularly their mother, from a very young age. You see that devotion, that love. That you just don't really see in the rest of the creation. So I think children showcase Christ's love for the church in such a beautiful way. Yeah, children showcase the love of God. They force us out of our narrow-mindedness and they help us to love and to receive love. Amen. They help us be less jaded just because of his view of the world kind of tying in what Peyton said and Alexa said. Because you know, I think as we go through things, as we get older, we become you know, maybe jaded and a little cynical about things that we see repetitively. And I think children challenge us to be less jaded yeah 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 children teach us to <clears throat> they kind of teach us how to act yeah. you know i love going to a playground and i just turned my kids loose and uh moses and lucas are still in the playground phase of life and so we go to a playground we were in west virginia checking out the grand view um and seeing uh at beckley the new river gorge and all that stuff and there's a playground there. They could almost care less about seeing the, uh, the mountains as much as they wanted to go to the playground. And they hung tough and all that. But then they said, hey, can we go play in the playground? I said, sure. Josh and I took a breather in the car. And uh, within two minutes, they're, they're playing with other kids. They're, you know, they're, they're running around the playground. They're talking. Even to the point they probably didn't really want to leave. But we had you know, a place we had to get to. But children teach us. They teach us how to build relationships even. Anybody else? How are children a blessing? How would you say children are a blessing? <clears throat> I'm not saying that it's also they're very unashamed of who they are and of the Yeah, unashamed. They don't have that social construct yet where you can't do things and you can't do things. Anybody else? More or less honest. <laughs> they're more honest. Amen. Absolutely. I think they're blessing for a couple reasons. Um, they're uh, a unique responsibility. A lot of us really don't grow up until we have that level of responsibility. Mm. And so they really help us in our own maturity and our own growth. And uh, having children is a part of the human experience. Um, I think in order to live a full life, we want to experience all the things we can. And having children is one of the, the most significant things we can do. And not everybody does. Yeah. You just go to the small battle line and be blessed of a blessing. <laughs> they, uh, they, they are a gift from God. Yeah. Not everyone can have them. Yeah. But many of them forget that or take us for granted sometimes. Yeah, they give us purpose. They sanctify and grow us in maturity. It's kind of. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
trust us to take care of them, right? For being here every week. Um, and they're relying on us from the beginning. And I think that's a view of how we should be our father. But it deepens my faith to trust him. Yeah. Children are insufficient, and therefore they look to their parents for safety, provision, sometimes wiping their own butt in the early stages, tying their shoes. <clears throat> They're very reliant upon us. And then as we see how little we have to offer them, it causes us to be reliant upon our Heavenly Father. And He always delivers, right? So it grows our faith. Good point. Anybody else want to share? Yeah, friends for life. Man, like my whole sermon's just being preached, so this is good. I don't have to say anything. I just, yeah. You got your friend for life up here? Yeah. They, they, God gives us friendship through our children, Rebecca? I, I have to say this one. I mean, they like the children. <laughs> yeah, they help. Yeah, they help. Yeah. Hey, good point. So, yeah, so listen. So children, they, they pay it back, right? You help them, you teach them. And this is an encouragement to all you guys with younger kids. They will get to a stage in life where they actually become helpful to you. And they are a benefit. And I mean that, all jokes aside, my children have been a huge help, huge blessing to us. All right, anybody? Shekana, go ahead. One thing, sorry, I, I'm at a playground. I think I'll touch on that. I think they don't overcomplicate it at all. They, will, they won't even ask the person their name, and they instantly. Yeah, just start playing tag. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very relational. They're cute. Yeah, they're, very, they're a lot cuter than. Look at that baby. Oh, I mean, come on. Yeah, these little babies are so cute. Yeah, I mean, they are just, yeah, adorable, man. Beautiful children. They get older, and it's like, man, what happened? <laughs> what happened? And I'm speaking about myself. I was a cute kid. I don't know what happened. All right, any, anybody else want to share anything? Anything burning on your heart? Audrey? Yeah, she's, she's like, she's a blessing. She brings smiles. Yeah, they lighten, they lighten up your day. <clears throat> so... There are many, 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 many reasons why children are a blessing. And we're not going to be able to cover them all today. But I want to give you guys three points uh, on why I believe children are a blessing from the scripture. Um, and a lot of what you guys said will be packaged in those points. Um, so thank you for sharing. Uh, my first point is children are a heritage and a reward from God. Uh, Psalm 127 verses 3 through 5 says this. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be, be, he shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. In this passage, we see that the psalmist declares that children are not a random occurrence, but a deliberate heritage from the Lord. And so, a very polarizing event in our society is when, when a woman takes a pregnancy test and finds out she's pregnant. For, for some women who have been praying for years, maybe even decades, for a child 
This could be one of the most beautiful days in their entire life. And then for others, maybe there's a woman who uh, has lived a life of promiscuity or she's in a relationship with someone she doesn't necessarily like. And she finds out she's pregnant and, and this baby all of a sudden becomes, the news of this baby becomes one of the worst days of her life. As she's confronted with the reality that there is now another life inside of her. But whether it's a good day or a bad day for the mom, we need to understand that this child is a gift from God. That must be the premise and starting point for all people. But Carl said earlier, you can't buy a child. Now, now illegally and in some perverted and twisted ways, you can, and that's not good. But naturally, you cannot fabricate, you cannot create in your own doing. As many women who, who wish for a child in the womb, it is only by the blessing of God that that child will be born, that that, that child will be conceived, and that child will grow in utero to, to what we see here today, these little babies. By the way, y'all can't see this baby right here? I don't even know these guys. And, but this baby is beautiful. What's your baby's name? Christopher. Christopher? Excuse me? Christopher Gerald. Can you show them? Just like, like, I get to see it, but look at this guy. Look at this guy, man. I mean, come on. I mean, you know, what a blessing, right? But, but here's the reality. How old is he? Three months. Wow, congratulations. Whether he's three months outside of the womb or he's three seconds in the womb, these children were ordained by God to be a blessing. If we are Christians who say we believe the authority and the inerrancy of God's word, we must agree with God that children are from the Lord and he calls them a reward and not a punishment. Now, as a man who has never had to uh, give birth, I've been given, I've been given the privilege of being a father, but I can tell you that there is a pain that comes with childbearing that maybe would prohibit or deter women from wanting to have children. And so I want to speak to that and just say, ladies, we must agree with the Lord that if you find yourself pregnant, that this is a gift from God, a reward indeed. This is not an accident. This has been ordained by God and it's a privilege. <clears throat> we don't use the word heritage a lot in our society, in our church. Um, even the thought of inheritance. But inheritance and heritage, it, 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 it symbolizes a possession. And if I were to ask you the question, parents in the room, how much would you sell your child for? A million dollars? Ten million dollars. Would you sell your child for ten million dollars? Would you sell would you sell young Christopher for fifty million? I'll give you fifty million today. Think of what you could buy with that. You wouldn't do it. Why why wouldn't you do it? Because you're agreeing with God that this child is a reward. It's priceless. It's an inheritance. It's a heritage that's been given by him. 
And so I want to encourage us, Christians, let's do as God has ordained and be fruitful and multiply. Let's, let's, let's practice procreating. And let's, let's, let's have more children unto the glory of God because he says it's a reward. I have five sons myself. And one of the questions we often talk about, my kids, this is just how we're raised, is like, they're like, hey, when you get married, how many kids are you going to have? These are the conversations my 9-year-old and my 11-year-old and my 17-year-old kids are having. And I think one was like, I want 11. <laughs> Moses wants 12. Right? And we, 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 we hear that and we laugh, we snicker. Right? Oftentimes, when I go and I travel around, I, I tell people, I have five boys. And they're like, it's like the worst news they've ever heard. Oh, my gosh. Man. Your poor wife, your, your house must be chaotic. Oh, man, I couldn't imagine such a horrible thing. And I'm like, no. I wish we had more. My children are a blessing. They're a heritage from God. They're not a curse. They're not a burden. We love them. And we've, we've understood our love for them even more in this past year as we have done what uh, the, this, the second part of Psalm 127 says, it says, they're like arrows in the hand of a mighty warrior. Right? And this isn't, listen, I'm, I'm, I am not condemning anyone who, who has small family or no family or a certain number of kids. I'm not, that's not what this is about. But I'm just telling you, if, if a warrior's going into battle <clears throat> and he's got one arrow on his back, he's got to make that one shot count. Man, what if he had a quiver full? Five, seven, ten arrows. If you're a warrior going into battle, do you want one arrow or ten? Ten, right? And so I just want to help us think about children in a way that's like what that lines up with Scripture. God says children are a heritage from Him, the fruit of the womb, a reward, like arrows in the hand of a mighty warrior, are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man. When he says man here, he doesn't mean just men. The word man here means men and women. Blessed are people who fill their quiver with kids. You will not be put to shame when you go to battle speaking with your enemy in the gates. Listen, whether through natural means or through foster care and adoption, Christians have always led the way in caring for children. And I'm, and I'm happy to highlight, you know, the Ingrams. They've, they've done a great job in our church being foster parents. And I know it wasn't easy. I know it was very difficult. But I know that it was blessed time for you guys. I know how much you love those children. It was a joy to see them come into this church. Church, we need to be about the business of rescuing children in the womb, right, through our pro-life efforts. But we also need to be in the business of rescuing orphans outside the womb. And all of us, right, can do something. There's a story at Love Life of a young girl named uh, Karina. Karina, at 20 years old, she heard the call for foster care and adoption. Single girl, no boyfriend, no fiance, and the Lord laid it on her heart, hey, you can do this. You can do this. And two years later, she started fostering a baby boy and a single mom, like basically a single mom, 
And she started loving this child, and now that child is hers. And she's raising him. And man, when I share that story with people, people, like, their first response is almost the way people respond to me when I tell them I have five children. Like, oh, man, that's, God, that's horrible. Like, are you serious? It's like, and I'm talking to Christians. Like, like Karina's been issued a death sentence. She's got the scarlet letter. No man's going to want to be with her. Oh, her life's horrible. There's no way she can do it. And she's doing it. And she's thriving. And we need to see children as a blessing. Like, we need to get in the mindset and prayer of, like, God, if you adopted me and you're my heavenly father, then at least pray through. At least be willing to pray through. God, what have you called me to do in terms of adoption? Maybe you're not called to be the foster parent. Maybe you're not called to be the parent who adopts. But maybe you're called to be the friend that walks alongside the family who's adopted and fostered. Maybe you're the one that can provide a meal. Maybe you're the one that can provide uh, babysitting so they can go on a date night. Like we can all do something, right? But our, but, our, but our mindset has to shift. We have to go from, from, hey, we believe it up here to we believe it right here, that it manifests right here. And Christians, if you, if you didn't understand, Christians have always led the way in foster care and adoption. Many of the foster care agencies that were started in our nation were started by Christian men and women. And so we're just, we're just, I'm just asking you, grab the baton, take it, run with it. Ask the Lord what he's calling you into. Um, you guys know at Love Life, there's many ways you can get plugged in. If, if, if you want to help someone with foster care and adoption, come talk to me. If you want to foster or adopt yourself, come talk to me. Um, we're here to help you. Pastor Carl and I would love to see your quiver grow, whether it's a temporary quiver or a long-time quiver. We just need to agree with God that children are a blessing. Amen? Amen. Charles Spurgeon said this, A child in the house is a wellspring of pleasure, a messenger of peace and love, a resting place for innocence on earth, a link between angels and men. Man, who doesn't want a wellspring of pleasure, a messenger of peace and love, a resting place for innocence. Who doesn't want that? But the world says children are a burden, children are a curse. And in America, in New York City alone, uh, there's more black children aborted than born in New York City. Like, that's crazy. I did some studies this past week. The Guttmacher Institute, which is a pro-abortion um, uh, reporting agency, they reported that in America, black women are five times more likely to have an abortion than white women. Five times. Brown women, such as my wife, Latina people, are two times as likely to have abortions than white women. And so what we see is there's an agenda, and it's satanic and it's evil, but it's, it's trying to convince people that children are not a blessing, children are a curse, children are a deterrent from pleasure, children are a deterrent from joy, children are a deterrent from peace, and the Bible says the opposite. And so just like we saw this past week in Ohio with issue one, where we saw you know, people celebrating this culture of death as they have constitutionalized in Ohio, abortion up to birth, meaning that 
a day before a baby is born, they could be aborted. And, and likely many of these states go beyond that, where after a baby is born, if the parent chooses whatever issue they don't want it, they can kill the baby. And so we see people brazenly celebrating that. Church, if you aren't actively telling people that children are a blessing, like you should be like Christopher Gerald should be on your timeline every day. Like if you're a parent or you have kids or there's kids in this church, don't miss an opportunity to speak the opposite. Right. Our, our culture is going that way. There will be many more states who follow suit with what Ohio is doing. Unless God's people stand up. We need to reverse the curse and let people know, no, children are a blessing. And it, many times I get accused of being a narcissist on my social media. And I may be a little bit of a narcissist. I'm not claiming that I don't have any of that in me. I'm not perfect. But if you study my social media accounts, you'll see like 90% of my posts are pictures of my children and my family and us enjoying life. Because I want to let my lost friends and I want to let the church know that, hey, children are indeed a blessing. And I'm a blessed man. I got five arrows and I love them. And so I want to encourage you, celebrate your children privately and celebrate your children publicly. If you're in here today and you have a child, you're blessed. And let me just tell you, if you're in here today, you have a child. Because every kid in this church is yours. It's your responsibility to help love, to encourage, to build up. Amen? And so we need to be celebrating children. The next point I want to share is childlike humility in the kingdom. Mark 18, verses 2 through 5 says, it's on the screen. Let me pull it up here. Mark 18. Uh, I'm sorry, Matthew 18. Matthew 18, verses 2 through 5, says this. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus in Matthew 18 emphasizes the need for adults to become like children to enter the kingdom of heaven. Children embody qualities of humility, trust, and dependence. I think it was Shekinah that said it earlier. Raising a child will expose your insufficiency. Raising a child will expose your sin, will expose your inadequacies, being around children, we have a couple of teachers in the room, homeschool and, and Christian school, and uh, we have nurses, right, that are around children. They will expose your own sinful tendencies. Right? There's nothing that grinds my gears more than being in a, a restaurant on date night and having someone, or let me just say this, being on a plane, and like kids don't know how to pop their ears when you know, you're going up and down, and you're sitting on a plane and the kid's just wailing behind you, in the seat right behind you, or maybe beside you, and I have to remember, okay, this child's not a burden. God's exposed that I have a burden in me that's called sin, that thinks that this child who is screaming is an inconvenience, and I want to cancel them. Like, the Lord shows us that through your own children when your kids sin or, or just bother or bug you at, at, you know, inopportune times. God is revealing to you that, hey, you have something in you that needs to be fixed, and you can call on the one who can fix it in that moment. 
children in and of themselves embody qualities of humility, trust, and dependence. And so we should, as God's children, look to our children as our example. I probably shared the story. Go ahead. Dependence. Um, I mean, I can attest, like, you know, I may be, uh, I may not be in your top five favorite preachers, and that's okay. But I can tell you that God has made me a better pastor and a preacher through my children exposing God's love for me, the conviction of the Holy Spirit as I've dealt Harshly with my children. God has taught me much about his love for me through my failures, my mistakes, and the good things. The the reality is each one of us is separated from God by our sin. And, And if I could just encourage you guys to think about sin in this way, it might help you with your parenting or just the way that you interact with others. Uh, sin is something that puts division in our relationship with God because God's perfect and he's holy. And every time we sin, there's like this, this thing that gets created between us and him. Now he's the father. He loves us. His arms are always wide for us, but because we sin, we start to push ourselves away from him. And when I started thinking about sin in that way recently, I thought about the way I was interacting with my children and with my wife and sin is anything that creates division between my own family. And a couple weeks ago, I remember yelling at my children. And I felt justified. I told them to do something. I told them to do something. And I told them to do something. And then that third or fourth time, I raised my voice and yelled. And I remember in my mind saying, hey, you know, like, they weren't listening. You were right to do that. But for the next hour or two, we were on a little bit of a road trip. It was like my kids didn't want to be around me. I could sense it. There was this, this trepidation in the back seat. They're looking out the window. I asked them questions and I got short answers. And I realized as we were studying the scripture the next morning that my sin had, had caused a separation between them. And God revealed that through, through the way that I overreacted. Like when you sin, your heavenly father isn't like, figure it out. What's wrong with you? That's not his his style. When you sin, your heavenly father says, come to me, all who are weary, all who are heavy laden, in your brokenness, come to me. I'll exchange it for blessing. I'll exchange it for peace. I'm the God of forgiveness. I'm the God of love. I'm the God of mercy. I'm here to help you with whatever you need. I don't ever want to, God say it to us, I don't ever want to create any sort of barrier that's going to keep you from coming to me. I'm always available any time of the night, any time of the day. You come to me in prayer. I am with you. I am present in your life. And so if you find yourself doing the opposite of that with people in your life, then you need to repent, confess to God, confess to the people you've offended, ask for their forgiveness, and then you'll see relationships restored. And I'm just telling you, in my life, my children have exposed to me that I'm the biggest sinner And I need the most forgiveness. Like surely my wife helps me, you know, in the sanctifying process as well. But, you know, we have a special relationship as husband and wife. We're not one. But when it comes to my kids, I'm to model the love of the father. 
So in those moments, I can either turn my back on them and keep justifying what a great dad I am and I had the right to yell, they weren't listening, or I can become humble and trust the Lord and depend on Him. And let me be honest with you too. Um, kids are really good at exposing truth. John Calvin said this, children are a wonderful gift. They have an extraordinary capacity to see into the heart of things and to expose sham and humbug for what they are. Um, kids, will, kids will call a spade a spade. You know, and, and then we teach them not to and then you know, they start skirting around the truth and, oh, you know, Dad, can I say this? It's like, man, like, I want to create a culture in my family where I, I give my kids permission and sometimes they take me up on it or not. But if I mess up, hey, guys, come to me. Let me know what I did wrong. Because your children will be your greatest advocate for truth in your home if you create that sort of transparency in your home. And so I want to encourage us in application to this is we need to cultivate, okay, how do you cultivate? You have to be intentional. You have to be active. It doesn't happen on accident. You have to pursue it. I want everyone in this room, whether you're a father, a mother, uh, whatever, you're a person. So I want you to cultivate in your life a spirit of humility and trust in your relationship with God and others. One of the things I think separates our church from many churches, amongst other things, is that we, we try hard to do life on life. Um, this year has been a little different with our, our outreaches on Wednesday, but traditionally we meet in each other's homes. We meet in small groups. And if you will show up to that group and you will humble yourself and you will open yourself and be transparent, God will meet you and your needs through the people around you. But if we don't, if we come in and people ask how you're doing and you, know, you, you don't really have a, a deep relationship with them, so you don't feel comfortable talking because you haven't cultivated a relationship, which therefore leads to a lack of a cultivation, being you know, trustworthy and, and trustful, then you're not going to share and you're not going to get your needs met by God. And that, and that needs to happen in your home. That needs to happen in your marriage. And I'll tell you, that may be the hardest place. Husbands and wives, to, to be transparent and honest. It's taken my wife years. We've been married for 13 years, coming up this Thursday. Um, but man, I can tell you for the first five, seven years, like there was a barrier. We didn't know how to share things because we used to get upset with each other. And, and I would say stuff and it was like I threw a hand grenade and she got upset and then she's throwing daggers and, you know, we're, we're, and then it just got to a place where we said, hey, it's better for us not to engage in those things because we just need to keep the peace. And then by God's grace, man, we, we, we had some people come alongside of us, give us some tools, give us some ways. We don't have it perfected, but we're, <clears throat> I feel like we can share hard things now. It's taken a long time to cultivate that. But I'm telling you, if it's not happening in your marriage, it'll be hard to happen through your family. It'll be hard to happen in the church. It'll be hard for you to do that with your coworkers and people in your life. So we need to work hard to cultivate that spirit of humility, to trust God in our relationships. God's given us people to help us. So we can either reject God by rejecting the people, or we can walk with humility and exhibit the openness and trust that children do when they go to a playground. You know, children go to a playground. What do they do? They instantly click. They instantly bond. Sometimes kids get hurt. 
It's, all, it's almost like a good social experiment to just go sit outside the playground and watch kids. Drop your kids off and watch them. And you'll probably notice that within a couple minutes, there's guaranteed a kid's going to get hurt. Somebody's feelings are going to get hurt. But you'll see sometimes, hopefully, in a good way, you'll see kids come alongside of them and say, hey, are you okay? Are you, you know, hopefully you don't see the opposite where you see you know, kids ganging up and stuff like that. But the church is a place that we're supposed to be open and transparent with each other. Walking in the love of Christ. Point three is this, training, teaching, and joy in the Lord. Proverbs 22.6 says, We are to train up the child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. We need to ensure, and we'll do this today, we're going to dedicate some children after this sermon, unto the Lord. And part of the dedication process is saying, we agree as a church, as a body, as a community, to help train these children in the way they should go. And the way they should go is the way of Jesus, the way of life. Ephesians 6.4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And I don't think this is a, a father-only message, but fathers especially, and mothers, but fathers especially, do not provoke your children to anger. I think the reason the Apostle Paul says this here in Ephesians 6 is because he knows men are typically more prone to anger and wrath. I'm not saying women don't have a mean streak, but, but usually men have this, this thing in them. And so he says, hey, do not provoke your children to anger. Instead, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so I just want to encourage any fathers in here, when you get angry with your child, instead of responding harshly, go to the scripture that's hopefully hidden in your heart and, 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 and act in accordance. That's why daily Bible reading is so important. You can't give what you don't have. So I want to encourage you guys, fill your tank with the word. And when trouble comes and you, you decide to be angry, hopefully the word spills out instead of your anger. So a, a real practical application for us as a church or you as a family is we need to be looking for ways to provide guidance, share biblical truths, and create environments that fosters a love for God. Coming to church on Sunday is one of those things you can do, but it's, it's not where it, it may be a starting place, but it's not the ending place. Um, Dylan did a really good job a couple months ago of leading us in a discussion around family worship. It's as simple as reading a passage at night, discussing it simply in an age-appropriated way with your one-year-old, three-year-old, five-year-old. You can discuss scriptures. You can sing the scriptures. Don't miss out on opportunities. When you see crazy stuff happen in the world, show it to your kids and ask them what they think. And if they agree with the Word of God, commend them and say, awesome job. This is what the Word of God says. And if they don't understand and they have... Uh, a lack of understanding, share what, what the Word of God says. Like, we don't shy away from talking about hard things to our kids. Because one day your kids, like the psalmist says, will be shot off into the world. And if you try to shelter your kids from all the evil of the world, <clears throat> when, they, when they get exposed to evil, if you haven't taught them, they're going to participate. And so it's better for us to, to explain, allow them to fail under our roof a little bit, and their understanding, and then give them biblical principles that will help them as they go beyond our homes. 
We also need to celebrate the, the spiritual milestones in their life. Uh, about two months ago, Will Gray, he got baptized. Yeah, we can celebrate that. <clears throat> and when we celebrate that, what we're, what we're truly doing is saying, we're celebrating what God did in Will's life. Levi and Shekinah are examples of parents who have taught their kids in the discipline of the Lord imperfectly, right? And let me just share this tidbit. When you mess up, there is no greater opportunity for your children to understand the love of God through your own confession. Hey, I screwed up. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Don't waste that opportunity. But we, but we, but we share these biblical truths and we celebrate these biblical moments. Man, my kid wants to read the Bible. Dude, that's awesome. Let me go buy you a Bible to help you read. Let's, let's read. Let's study together. Let's go sit on a mountaintop or a beach shore one day and let's, let's work through the scriptures and tell me what God's doing. A spiritual milestone is just, man, they want to read the Bible. I mean, come on. I don't want to do a spoiler alert, but uh, I'm going to do it. Um, the gift we're going to give the children today is it's a mini Bible. It's a mini Bible. Because we think that's the most important thing we can give them is a little Bible. And my son still has his Bible when he was dedicated. And, um, you know, it's got some coloring and stuff in it. But, but nonetheless, it's the Word of God, and it's so good. And that's what we want to give our children. So actively engage in spiritual formation of your children. Don't just allow Fortnite, YouTube, video games, their friends to be the main discipler of their life. Say, hey, we're going to cut that off. We're going to go for a walk, and we're going to talk. Share with them what's going on in your life. Ask their opinions on things. You may have some hard decisions in your life, work-related or whatever, church, like whatever. Involve your kids. And I'll share this. Uh, children will become your best friends. It's weird to think about Phineas becoming your best friend. But one day he'll be 18 years old and he will be your best friend. You say, well, hold on. There's this line between parents and friends, and we're not supposed to cross this thing. But if you think about the word best friend, I've said this before, it's a friend you give your best to. Like, I give my best to my kids. And now when Jake and Logan call me from the military, it's like my best friends call me. I want to know what they're doing. I want to know how they're doing. And I love it when they come to me and ask me for advice. It's like, man, they value me as a friend. Children are your legacy. Children are your legacy. Whatever you train them in is what they'll continue in. So if you're the kind of parent that says, hey man, I don't have, like, I don't have time for my kids, your, parents will pro or your kids will likely have no time for you when they get older. And I want to encourage you, it's never too late. It's never too late. Children are also like your resume. Um, when I meet people at Love Life, you know, my job is to help raise up city directors across the nation. I want to see their family. I want to see how this guy's loving his wife. I want to see how his kids act. We can't control people and make everyone fit in our perfect box. But in some ways, you can tell the leadership of a man and a mom, a, a, a man and a woman, a, hus a husband and father, or a husband, wife, father, mother, through their kids, you know? And I'll tell you, man, like, it's one of the beautiful things about this church is like, and I'm a little biased, but I think we have some of the best kids in Charlotte. You know, I would put our kids up against anybody's kids. 
And I believe that about my kids. Like, this might sound weird, but my kids are better than your kids. <laughs> not that you're not doing a great job, but like we've, man, we've poured into our kids. And, we, and, and there's times where we are those parents who are, they're, they're fortnighting for three or four hours. I hear your kids talking to them and, you know, I'm not saying we've done it perfect, but man, like there is a, we have poured into our kids. And now as our kids are flying off into the world, we're seeing the, the return investment. Like this is better than any business you can start. This is better than any amount of money you can have or possession. You have children. And so if you're in the room today and you have children, take and heed all these words. And if you're in here today and you don't have children, I want to invite you into our family. I want to invite you into the kids in this room. Physical people. I want to invite you into spiritual relationship with other children. Children of God. But ultimately, as we reflect on the blessing of children, it is essential for us to recognize the ultimate blessing that God has bestowed on us. The most blessed child was who? Jesus. Children are a blessing, and Christ was a child who was the most blessed. Now, we've, we've talked a lot about today about what you can get and receive from children. Jesus Christ came not to receive, but to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus Christ came as a child. He had earthly parents. Therefore, God is telling us today and highlighting very boldly that parenting is important. What we do with our children matters. That babies matter. Jesus came as a fetus, an embryo, who came to full gestation, who was born in a barn. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, came in full humility. He could have came any way he wanted. He came as a baby. He came as a child to show us that children are a blessing and that he was the most blessed child because he would be a child who would grow from infancy to teenage years. And then as a 30-year-old man, he would begin his earthly ministry. He'd been studying through the Gospel of Luke. And his ministry was a ministry that would ultimately lead to his death. Yeah, he did a lot of great stuff here on this earth, but the greatest thing he did for us, church, is he went to die for us on a cross to forgive us of our sins, to be buried in a grave, and to be risen later, proclaiming that he is triumphant over death and over sin. And so there's many people in here I don't know, a lot of Guevara's friends. I don't know where you guys stand with Jesus, you, maybe you came to see a child dedication. Maybe you know the Lord. Praise God, you're here. We love you guys. We're here for you. If you ever need anything beyond the Sunday, we're here for you. But I want to encourage you in this moment, the greatest thing that you need is forgiveness. The greatest thing that you need is to be made right with God. And Jesus Christ did that for you on your behalf 2,000 years ago. The Bible says that all who forsake their sin and turn to Christ will be forgiven. My question for you today is, have you trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? Is He the Lord of your life? And if so, we will, as God's children, rejoice around the throne of God for all eternity. But if you reject what God's done for you at the cross, the Bible says you have to suffer eternal punishment. And nobody, nobody in this church wants that for any one of you. Nobody wants that for anyone outside of here. 
That's the reason our church goes out and shares the Word of God. We want all people to be saved and set free, forgiven, and redeemed for all eternity. So I want to encourage you to ponder the question. Have you trusted in the most blessed child, the Lord Jesus Christ, for your salvation? We're going to move into a time of child dedication, and then after that, there'll be the Lord's Supper. There'll be a time for prayer if, you, if you'd like to receive uh, the Lord Jesus Christ through confession of your sins and calling out Him as your Lord. It's the most important thing you can do with your life. But the exhortation for us today is, as God's children, we must care that children are a blessing. Let's serve our children well in this church. Let's serve the children outside of this church. Let's serve the children in the womb. Let's go help rescue the orphans from the, the foster care system. Let's be Christians. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the statement, children are a blessing. Thank you, God, that we were all children. We all have that in common, that you created us, you formed us, you fashioned us in our mother's wombs. Our mothers chose life. We are here today. You've given us life. We have breath in our lungs. And Lord, we don't want to waste our life. We don't want to lollygag around. We don't want to miss out on what you're doing here on this earth. We want to join you in your mission. We want to be men and women who stand boldly on the word of God to help rescue children being led to slaughter. We want to be men and women who help rescue the fatherless and bring them into homes. We want to be men and women who help disciple our children well. So Father, I pray you'd search our hearts. God, that you would help conform us to your image. I pray, Lord, that you would Move on the hearts of all your people here, Lord. And I pray, Lord, today, Lord, if there's anyone in this room who is yet to bow their knee to the Lord Jesus, that they would see you as a good father who has the power to forgive them of their sins, who has the power to bring them true peace, true love, true grace, true purpose. And God, as we, we celebrate these lives, God, of these children, Lord, that you would bring more children into the eternal family of God today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.